The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March Design broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. morning. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you here on the radio, the message of salvation by grace. We want to invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church anytime that you can. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at six o'clock. I do want to mention to you that we're having a special event upcoming on the fourth Wednesday night in July, July the 25th, 26th and 27th each night We will be hosting an old-fashioned singing school where you come and you learn from an instructor about how to sing the different parts and harmonies. I remember when I was a child that singing schools were a common thing in our area at different churches throughout the summer especially. I know that we would go to one or two, maybe three singing schools throughout the summer when I was a small child. And it seems like nowadays we just have put singing to the back burner. So if you remember as a child or if you would like for your children to learn how to sing and how to shape note sing, we invite you to come to the singing school that will be held at the Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church facility on Wednesday night, July the 25th, the 26th, and the 27th. The first session will be Wednesday night at 7, July the 25th, and then on July the 26th, Thursday, we will have a 4 o'clock session 
and then 6 p.m. supper, and then we'll have a 7 o'clock session. And then on Friday, it will be the same schedule. We'll have a 4 o'clock session, 6 p.m. supper, and then 7 o'clock will be the final class for singing school. So we encourage you to come and participate in that if you can. There's no fee. There's no charge. There's no charge for the meal. There's no charge for the singing school. So if you're truly looking for something free, you can certainly find that when you come to singing school. That's on July the 25th, 26th, and 27th. And remember, the first session will be Wednesday night, July the 25th at 7 o'clock. There will be no supper that night. We'll just have the class beginning at 7. Elder Bryce Lawrence, who is a dear friend of mine, professional music instructor out of Texas, will be teaching this singing school. So you come and avail yourself of that opportunity. It should be a great time. Also, our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me very easily at my email address. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. Following this song will bring to you a message from the Word of God.
Last week we began a series in 1 Peter, the first chapter, and we read verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect, or chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Last week, and briefly I want to recap what we began on this series, I asked the question, are you ready to listen to Peter? And briefly, just recall that Peter was an apostle, and he had a lot of credentials in his life in terms of us needing to listen to him. You remember Peter was a fisherman that Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men rather than of fish. And you recall that Peter is the one that walked on water. He and Jesus are the only two in recorded history that we know of that walked on water. Peter is the one in John 6 and 68 who, when Jesus asked, will you also go away? Peter's the one that said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Peter's also the one in Matthew 16 that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter was also there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured before their eyes. In Acts, the second chapter, we read that Peter was the first one to preach the sermon on the day of Pentecost. And we also read that Peter was there when the lame man at the gate of the temple was healed in the name of Jesus and began to leap and to shout and to rejoice over his healing. Peter was one that was there whenever Tabitha, who was the widow that had died, she was resurrected by the power of God. And Peter's the one that preached to Cornelius, that Gentile, he preached the He preached the first message there to the Gentiles and through Cornelius. And Peter's also the one that was set free from prison when he was imprisoned. And the angel came in the middle of the night and touched him on the side and told him to get up. And he walked out of the prison there. So we asked the question last week, are you ready to listen to Peter? Do you think that he's an authority? I mean, he was in the presence of Jesus Christ. And here in 1 Peter 1, he's writing to you and he's writing to me. Yes, I know that it was 2,000 or so years ago whenever he wrote this, but we can see in this that he's speaking to us as children of God throughout time. And I want you to know how he addresses us. First, he calls us strangers. That means that we are merely passing through, that heaven is our native country. We're just sojourning here on earth. He says that we're strangers scattered throughout these different areas, and he describes them at that time as elect. And he tells you specifically how these people became chosen. He says that they are elect or chosen according to three simple things. And I want you to know what is glaringly missing from this list of the three simple things here. Our works are missing from this list here that he gives. There's three simple things, and it says you're elect or chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Your choice, my choice is not in there. My good works, your good works are not in there. You see, what is in there, the way that we are chosen is by the sovereign, glorious, merciful work of God. How does that work? How does being an elect according to the foreknowledge of God work? Well, it's God's election. It's something that God held. It wasn't God casting a vote for me and Satan casting a vote against me and then me casting the tying boat. No, it doesn't work that way. We looked extensively last week at Romans the ninth chapter where we can only reach one conclusion and that is that election is based on God's choice in mercy. Romans the ninth chapter we read very clearly, for the children being not yet born 
neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, not of anything we do or a choice that we make, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, that was the mother of the boys, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And the apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he foresaw that there might be an objection to that. What shall we then say? Is this unfair? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy. You see, the subject is mercy. That's what we have to get in our minds. You see, the Lord based this election on his choice, not based on any good or evil that Jacob or Esau had done. And it was not based on performing some work. He says it's not of works, but it's of him that calleth. And Paul says that God's choice is not unrighteous. It's not unfair. And God's choice is pure mercy and compassion. Election stands in mercy. He says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And God's choice is not based on our will. He says, so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. You see, God's choice is not based on our effort of running. Or Some have said in the past, you know, if you just got to outrun the devil, you know, maybe you'll make it. No, it's not based on our running. It's based on God himself and his mercy. Election is by grace, you see. And it also says that we are elect or chosen according to sanctification of the Spirit. We spent most of last week talking about how we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And we want to spend the bulk of our time today talking about how we are chosen or elect through the sanctification of the Spirit. Now, what is sanctification? It means to purify or to make clean. It also means to set apart. Now, this is a reference to the new birth. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The first one there, the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You see how explicit the language is? He wants us to understand that that is the role of the Father, that the Father foreknew and elected, you see? And then he says it's also through sanctification of the Spirit. Here is the role of the Spirit. And sanctification of the Spirit is just another way to describe the new birth. In the Scripture, we've looked at this many times, but we don't need to overlook the fact that there are many different descriptions of the new birth in the New Testament. And one of these descriptions is sanctification or the purification or the making clean by the Spirit. This is when God enters into the heart of a child of God, one that has been chosen and foreknown before the world was formed. Now, there are those that think, well, the Lord will enter your heart whenever you choose him. There's no line of Scripture that says that. There's nothing in the Word of God that indicates that. No, the sanctification of the Spirit occurs at God's timing, God's choice, And if you'll look in the scripture, you'll see that God's timing is amazing in many, many circumstances. Well, it's amazing in any circumstance that the Spirit of God would go into the heart of a child of God and give them life. But if you'll look at the examples from the scripture, like the thief on the cross or like Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus going to kill Christians, that's some interesting timing, is it not? And you can only conclude from that that whenever the Lord decides to sanctify the heart of a child of God, to born again a child of God. It's by his timing, by his mercy. Only God knows when that's going to happen. But in the scripture, we'll find different descriptions of the new birth. It's called here in 1 Peter 1, it's called sanctification of the spirit. In Ephesians 2 and verse 1 and on down into the chapter, it talks about the quickening. It says, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And I ask the question, can you quicken yourself? 
to quicken means to make alive. Can you make anything alive? When something is dead, it says you had the quicken who were dead in trespasses and in sins. When something's dead, it means one has breathed their last. They're lifeless. They're deceased. They're departed. They are destitute of life. They're inanimate. <laughs> you see, there's no life in them. They have no inkling, no wiggling of life within them. They're not half dead. They're completely dead. Can you quicken yourself to go from something that is dead to make it alive? I know this is kind of a maybe a gross example, but often here, especially in Alabama, we'll be riding along and we see roadkill laying on the road. And unfortunately, a time or two in my life, when I have encountered roadkill, especially out there on our farm, it might be a dog or a cat that, that we have had or maybe my mom or my brother had, and they've been run over and they've been killed. How ridiculous would it be for me to get out of my car and go up to that dead, lifeless animal that's we call roadkill uh, that was maybe Rover or Fido or whatever your dog may be or your cat may be? How ridiculous would it be for me to go up and stand over that dead animal and say, live, live, live? I don't have the power to quicken that deadness. And what he's teaching us there in Ephesians 2 is that we are spiritually dead. You see, the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, he was spiritually dead. He didn't care about Jesus. He didn't love Jesus. He didn't care a thing about the people that were following Jesus. And it would have been ridiculous for Ananias, the preacher, to walk up to Paul, who held warrants in his hand to arrest Ananias, and look at Paul in the eye and say, live, Paul, live, Paul, live spiritually. That would have been ridiculous. And guess what would have happened? Paul would have immediately had him arrested and thrown into jail and testified to his death. You see, we can't do that. We don't have that power. You cannot quicken yourself. You cannot make something that is dead physically live, and you cannot make something that is dead spiritually live. You can't do that, but God can. And that's why it says, you have he quickened who were dead. You have he quickened, you see? You and I can't quicken ourselves. This is another description of the new birth, of being sanctified by the Spirit, of how we become an elect of God. This is what Peter is teaching us. Are we listening? Another description of the new birth or the sanctification of the spirit is Ephesians 2 and 10. And it says that we have been created in Christ Jesus. I asked the question, can you create yourself? Have you ever created anything? You say, well, I got some mud together as a child, you know, and I created a mud pie. No, no, you didn't create it. You just formed the mud that was already there into a little mud pie. <laughs> and you say, well, you know, I created something with my Legos at home whenever I was a child. That's something I really enjoyed doing when I was a child, building things out of Legos. And I created that. No, what you did is you took the blocks and the substance of the things that were already there, plastic formed into little Lego blocks, and you you formed them into a different form. You didn't create the blocks that you made the Lego thing with. <laughs> you see, you and I haven't created anything. We can't create anything, and we certainly can't create ourselves. It's amazing to me, this day and time, the great battle that rages between the false theory, the false notion of evolution that cannot be proved, and the true teaching of the Scripture on creation that there was a world and universe universes created all of those years ago, 6,000 or so years ago, when God spoke them into existence. And there's Christians that believe that. They say it's creation of God. You know, we had a designer. We had a great supreme being that created this universe and the worlds that are therein. 
And yet, when it comes to spirituality, the very same Christians will say, well, you have to create yourself. You know, you have to somehow spontaneous combust to become a child of God. You see, that's evolution. You can evolve into a child of God by making a choice or doing something. It's amazing how many Christians out there believe in a, a natural creation where God spoke it into existence, and yet they believe that you have to evolve into being a Christian by your decision or your works or the things that you do. Oh, child of God, listen. The spiritual creation that occurs within is is very similar to God speaking to a natural creation and causing it to exist. God speaks to the heart of a child of God and creates in them something that wasn't there. You can't create yourself. And then it also, in 2 Timothy 1 and 9, it refers to the new birth as a calling that God has called us. Can you call yourself? You say, well, yeah, I can look in the mirror and say, hey, there I am. Hey, Tim, in the mirror. But listen, what gave you the voice? What gave you the ability to call? What gave you the ability to say your name? You see, you didn't call yourself into existence, but God can call something into existence that was not there before. And that's what he does in the new birth. He calls life into the heart. He says, live, and life comes into the heart of a child of God. John 6 and 37 says that all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And then in John 6 and 44, he says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Can you come to Jesus yourself? That says no man can come to me. And that's a reference to the new birth. How do we know that's a reference to the new birth? Because later in the chapter, he, he clarifies that. He says, when I said to you that no man can come to me, I am referencing the spirit that quickens. He says that in John 6. So can you draw yourself to the Lord? Can the water in the bottom of a well somehow will itself out of the bottom of the well and come to the top of the well and be there for people to use? It's impossible. No, what has to happen? A bucket has to be dropped down by a rope into the bottom of that well, and it draws out the water that is in the bottom of that well. You see, you can't do that yourself. Water can't draw itself. God has to draw. So you see, another description of the new birth is being drawn by the Father. What about John 5 and 25, where he says, speaking of the new birth, that they that hear the voice of the Son of God shall live? Think about that now. How do you hear the voice of your mother whenever you're a baby? Or as you grow up and you learn that that's your mother or that's your father, and they speak to you, and they say, as they said to me, Tim, come here. How do you hear that voice? It's because you've got the ability to hear. You can hear what they say because you've got the ability to hear. Can you generate that ability to hear yourself? No, you were blessed to have that ability. God gave you that ability because you have ears to hear. So how do you hear the voice of the Son of God? God gives you the ears to hear it. And of course, in John, the third chapter, we have the most well-known description of this sanctification of the Spirit, this quickening, this creation, this calling, whenever God puts life into the heart of a child of God, and it's called being born again. And Jesus said that to Nicodemus. He said, except you be born again, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was stumped by this. And he said, how can a man enter into the womb again when he is grown? And the question we ask, like Nicodemus asked, can you give birth to yourself? You can't do that. That's nonsense. You didn't give birth to yourself when you were born into this world. No child that's ever come into the world has ever given birth to themselves. It's impossible. And then Jesus goes on in John 3 and 8 to compare the new birth to being like the wind that blows. Do you tell the wind to blow? Do you tell the wind what direction to go? (laughs) 
You see, these things are impossible for us to do. Can you quicken yourself? No. Can you create yourself? No. Can you call yourself? How did you get a voice to call? No, you can't call yourself. You have to have a voice. Can you come to Jesus yourself? No. He says that you have to be drawn. Can you hear the voice of God without ears to hear? No. Did you give birth to yourself? No. Can you tell the wind to blow where it needs to go? No. Think about this. There is nothing within our own ability that enables us to do any of these things. So we are chosen, Peter says, we are chosen through the sanctification of the Spirit. The Spirit does that. Now let's try out some examples very quickly. I've already mentioned Paul. I've already mentioned the thief on the cross. Think about it. Paul was on the road to Damascus. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had death warrants in his hand to arrest Christians that were following Jesus. And the Lord appears to him there in Acts the 8 chapter, and he didn't ask permission to save Paul. He didn't ask permission to enter his heart. Paul, if you'll just accept me, if you'll choose me, if you'll do this, if you'll do that. No, the apostle Paul was struck down by the Spirit of God, and he was blinded in that instance there. And he says, who art thou, Lord? He knew that a Lord was in front of him, but he didn't even know the name. And you know, Paul didn't say, oh, well, here's Jesus. He's finally appeared to me. No, he said, who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said words I know that chilled Paul to the bone when he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. How about that? Don't you know that was shocking for Paul? He said, who art thou, Lord? And and the Lord that was in front of him identified himself as Jesus. And Paul said, what wouldst thou have me to do? He was trembling and shaking. What about that thief on the cross who was hanging there and looked at Jesus at one minute and he cursed Jesus? He said, why don't you get us down off of this cross? And then the next minute, he's blessing his holy name and taking up for Jesus and telling the other thief to leave him alone. And then he looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. What happened to that guy? Did he create himself? Did he quicken himself? Did he call himself? Did he come to Jesus himself? Did he get himself a pulley and pull himself up out of the well? Oh, no, a thousand times no. Did he born himself again there? No, God did that work. God did the work of borning him again. God did the work of creating him, of quickening him, of calling him, of drawing him to him. And he came to Jesus. He heard the voice of the Son of God. He was born again by the sovereign mercy and grace of God. So the conclusion can only be this, that all glory goes to God. Peter says that we are elect according to the sanctification of the Spirit, the new birth, the quickening, the creation, the calling, the coming to Jesus, the being drawn by the Father, hearing the voice of the Son of God, being born again. Like the wind that blows, you don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it goes, but you just see the effects of it. May we rejoice in being the chosen of God through the work of the Holy Spirit, the sanctification of the Spirit that writes the laws and love of God in our hearts. May God be praised.
You've been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace. Amen.